As we introduce our lesson this morning, I want to look at a couple of scriptures. First one, Roger has already read for us, but I want to emphasize something that we see in the text. Notice in this discussion, as Paul's making his defense before these rulers, before he heads to the uh, city of Rome, notice after he's talking to Agrippa, and Agrippa uh, is being slowly convinced that the prophets were true about what they said about Jesus Christ. Notice even Agrippa understood that if he was going to follow Jesus Christ, if he was going to respond to the invitation and the teaching that Paul was preaching to him in this defense, notice Agrippa understood, he says unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And of course Paul responds by saying that he wished it was the case that not only Agrippa, But anybody that ever heard the gospel preached or anyone that heard the apostle Paul preach, they too would be a Christian just like him. Another text I want us to think about for just a moment is this. Acts 11 and verse 26, where we see where this particular name came from. It says, and when he had found him, this is talking about Barnabas, when he had found Saul, uh, who would later become Paul, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now it's interesting, we're 11 chapters into the book of Acts, but yet this is the very first time, and the Bible says it's the very first time, that anyone was called a Christian. And we understand and appreciate the fact that Christian just simply means one who follows Christ. Uh, It's the name of one who follows Christ. But why now? Why here in Antioch, at the end of chapter 11, do we find them being called Christians? Well, it's interesting. You go back to the Old Testament, and you go back to some prophecies in the Old Testament, and I want you to notice what happens. Over in Isaiah chapter 62, verses 1 and 2, it says, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, And for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. Talking about the righteousness of God and the salvation that he brings and he will draw people to him as a lamp that burneth. And then it goes on in verse 2 and says, And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all kings thy glory And thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Here, the prophecy is made by Isaiah that when the Gentiles and the different people of the world, symbolized by the king, understood that righteousness and salvation came through God, not just to the Jews, they would be called by a new name, God's people would be called by a new name, a name that God has selected for them. So notice what happens here in this text. When the Gentiles see thy righteousness. So what happens here in Acts chapter 11? As we read through the book of Acts, we see the beginning of the church there in Acts chapter 2. We see how the apostles dealt with different activities going on in the church. We see preaching being done by Peter and others in the region of Samaria. But when you get to Acts chapter 11, we have the story of the very first Gentile convert by the name of Cornelius. And you remember how Peter came to him and he told him, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. 
how that any person who will believe in him can be saved. And of course, Cornelius and his family responded, and they were the very first Gentiles to respond to the gospel message. Here is the fulfillment of the prophecies. Gentiles now see salvation and righteousness. And so after Peter makes a defense of what he did to the the brethren in Jerusalem, we come to the end of chapter 11, this famous chapter where Gentiles are now being converted, and notice what happens. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. In other words, what was prophesied has now been fulfilled. And now they shall be called by a new name, a name that the Lord shall name. One of the things we need to understand and appreciate is the fact when someone calls you a Christian, they are giving you a Lord-given name. This was the name that the Lord had picked out for His people. The new name by which we were going to be called after the Gentiles came into the scheme of redemption, and we're so thankful for that because every single person in here more than likely is a Gentile. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. One other scripture before we actually get into the meat of our lesson, and it's 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. In other words, there's a lot of reasons why you may suffer. The text before it gives us some reasons why you may suffer. But if you suffer because you are a Christian, because you have been named Christian, let let yourself glory in that. Why should you glory in that? Because you're being persecuted or you're suffering because you are living up to the name that God had given you when you obeyed His commands to be saved. It is a glorious name. I don't know why anybody would want to be called by any other name. It's the greatest name because it's a name that has been given to us by the Lord Himself. And it symbolizes the greatest relationship that mankind can ever have. And that is because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross to save us from our sins, we can be forgiven and spend eternity with God and the redeemed of all the ages in heaven. It is a great and wonderful name. With all that being said, though, I want you to think about this. This has happened to me on more occasions than I can count, and I'm sure this has probably happened to you during your lifetime. You may be talking to a neighbor, a co-worker, a friend, maybe even a relative, and the subject of religion comes up. And they will say, well, what kind of religion are you? And you will say, well, I'm Christian. And they say, well, I assume that, but... Um, What church do you go to? Well, I go to the New Testament church, the Church of Christ. No, 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 I understand that, but what denomination are you? Well, I'm not a member of a denomination. I'm just trying to simply be a New Testament Christian. And they'll say, no, I I don't mean that. Tell me what kind of Christian are you? And you may say, well, I hope I'm a saved Christian. And then they say, no, 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 you... Are you Baptist? Are you Methodist? Are you Presbyterian? Are you Lutheran? In other words, they want to put a prefix in front of it. Now, when we have those discussions, we're not trying to be cute. We're not trying to embarrass the other person and somehow or another attack their integrity. But what we are trying to do, of course, is just simply explain to them that it is possible to be a Christian without a prefix. 
It's possible to be just a Christian. And so what I want us to do today is spend some time talking about why I am just a Christian. Why are you just a Christian? Now let me emphasize once again, I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm not trying to attack anybody's sincerity. I feel I have an obligation that we need to teach the New Testament truth and be able to explain to people why we hold this particular doctrine. And so we'll spend some time today talking about why I am just a Christian. Well, first of all this morning, the reason why I am just a Christian is because being called by any other name dilutes the glory of Christ and steals the respect that is due Him. Now, as we've already mentioned, it is very common in the religious world today to be a Christian with a prefix. I believe all those who follow Jesus Christ believe that they are Christians, but in the denominational world today, they have to be a Christian with a prefix. They can't just simply be a Christian. They have to show their particular allegiance to a particular denomination, and therefore uh, they... Don't go by the name Christian. They go by the particular doctrine or the particular man that they follow in their particular denomination. And therefore, instead of being a Christian, they're a Baptist, they're a Methodist, they're a Lutheran, and the list could go on and on and on. And let me emphasize again, I'm not attacking those particular people. And you may say even to yourself right now, well, what's the big deal? What does it matter if they go by another name than just simply Christian? Well, let's look at what the Bible says. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, notice the admonition that Paul makes to the church at Corinth. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it had been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contingents among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now as you start looking at this text, one of the problems that had developed in the church of uh, Corinth was within the church itself, they were dividing themselves up into denominations. We hear the word denomination so much, we assume this something that is normal and right, and it's been around, of course, forever in our nation now, so we don't think a whole lot about it. But they were dividing themselves up into different religious groups, declaring allegiance to a certain man. Some said, well, you know, uh, Apollos is, is my preacher, I'm going to stick with him. Oh, no, another one said, well, Cephas or Peter's my preacher, I'm a follower of him. Somebody else said, well, I believe the teachings of Paul are the best, so I'm a follower of him. They had a bad case of what we might call preacheritis. And they had began to form little groups within the church at Corinth, little denominations, if you will, and instead of just simply calling themselves Christian, they were calling themselves Paulites or Peterites, or Apollosites. Now, I'm not sure if that's the correct grammar for those things, but I think you see the point. But what did Paul say? He was saying, is Christ divided? 
Did Christ intend for us to divide ourselves up into these little groups with different names? Was Paul the one that was crucified for you? And the obvious answer is no, Christ was crucified for you. Were you baptized into the name of Paul? And the obvious answer once again, no, I wasn't baptized into the name of Paul. I was baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, we need to understand and appreciate the fact that we are Christians because we have been baptized into Jesus Christ. We are Christians because we, uh, Jesus Christ was crucified for us. That is the reason why God picked that particular uh, name for us. I think it's very interesting that um, when you... Um, I was going to see something else here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to this. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. When you think about the fact how that, that Christians... Uh, is the name that, that were given to us. I want you to think about this for a few moments. We firmly believe in baptism. We believe that the Scriptures teach it. We practice baptism. We believe that in order for a person to be saved, they need to be baptized according to the commandments of Jesus Christ. But we don't believe in that so much that we make it our name. Instead, we make our name to follow after someone who commanded baptism, and that is Jesus Christ. We carry His name, and not just the particular doctrine of baptism. We believe in the church organization that uses the Greek term presbyters, or elders, directly translated. We believe in that type of church organization that a church, in order to be structured scripturally, needs to have presbyters or elders at the head of their particular local congregation. But we don't believe in that particular doctrine so much that we think that it excuses us using that name instead of the name that the Lord had given us, and that is Christian. We believe in the name and wear the name of the one who so organized the church. We certainly believe in using methods in our Bible study. We understand that we need to rightly divide the word of truth. We understand that there needs to be some organization or method in which we study God's word. We understand and appreciate the fact that there, within a text there are contexts and how that you need to take the context in order to understand the text. We know that we have Bible classes and whatnot to try to teach other kind of people. We have a formula or method to our worship service in order to do that. But we don't so believe in methods that we start calling ourselves Methodists, but instead we believe in the Christ and wear His name, the very one who gave us the gospel. In other words, it was Jesus Christ who died for me. It was Jesus Christ who was crucified for me. It is because of Jesus Christ that I am saved. And therefore, I simply want to be called a Christian because that is the name that gives Christ the glory and gives Him the respect that is due Him. I appreciate so very much the reformers who came before us, such people as Martin Luther. Martin Luther, when he nailed those 95 theses on the church door in Wittenberg, He began a Reformation process that took away from the adulterated Catholic Church into the Protestant Reformation that shook the world wide open and and led led us to the restoration of the New Testament Church. I'm thankful for what he did, but I'm not so thankful I'm going to wear his name instead of Jesus Christ's name. The reason why I'm a Christian only 
It's because I want to give Jesus Christ the glory, not some doctrine that the church holds. I want to give Jesus Christ the respect due Him, not some man who might have done great things in religion. I want to give Jesus Christ the glory and the respect due Him because He is the one that died for me. And Jesus Christ, through the Lord, gave me the name Christian, and I'm proud to wear that name and wear that name only. But to the next point that I kind of got ahead of myself on. The reason why I am just a Christian is because it's the only name by which a divided Christian world can be united. Once again, the religious world has had this going on for so long that it's just assumed that this is the way things are supposed to be. That if you're a Christian, then you're a Christian with a prefix. You have to declare allegiance to your denomination somehow or another. Uh, you're a Christian, but you go by another name because it's the name that designates your particular beliefs and divides you into the particular denomination that you're divided into. For example, if you ask somebody what their religion is, and, you, and they say, well, I'm a Lutheran. Immediately you know, well, they're a part of that particular denomination that follows the teachings of Martin Luther. If you say, uh, what religion are you? And I'm not picking on anybody. I just see the ones that pop in my head. And somebody says they're a Baptist. You know that those people hold to a particular denominational view of the Baptist church. But folks, any truth-seeking, any church-loving, any salvation-pushing people would understand that we need to be united in religion and not divided in religion. Any people who really love the church want to find a way that all of us in the religious world would quit being divided and come together and be one group and one force. In fact, if we're honest with ourselves, some of the, one of the reasons why people are not religious today, one of the reasons why people have shunned the church and have looked upon Christianity in derision is because they look at the divided religious world in which we live in and they say, this just simply doesn't make any sense. How can one group on this side hold a totally different view from a group over on this side? How can a group on this side go by a totally different name than a group on this side? How can their teachings both be different and their names both be different, but yet they say they're doing the same thing? That just doesn't make any sense to me. I think Christianity is a sham. We're only going to save the world if we unite and get rid of the divisions in our life. But if you remember, if we go back to the Garden of Gethsemane, this is what Jesus Christ prayed. He says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and in thee, that they also may be one in us. Why is that, Jesus? Why are you praying this? He says that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou hast given me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Here is Jesus about to die on the cross. He is pouring out his heart. And notice what he's praying. He is praying that he wants his followers to all be one. That the glory be given in the right way. 
the glory given to his Father and to his Son, Jesus Christ. He wanted the religious world, the people who followed him, to be one. You remember what the Apostle Paul said earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10? He says, let there be no divisions among you, but all of us speak the same thing. In other words, Jesus prayed it, the apostles taught it. We need to try to come up a way to be unified and united and be one. Why? So the world may believe. As long as there's division in religion, it's a hindrance to the world believing. I don't think it's by accident, but I do think it's ironic that when the denominational world does try to get together in some type of unity conference, when they try to come up with a way where they can all meet together and talk about things, notice what they do. This is the actual banner from their website. The National Council of Churches of Christ in the United States. In other words, they understood if they're going to have a meeting and they're going to try to come to some common terms, they were going to have to pick a term that brought unity. And what term did they pick? They picked the churches of Christ. Why did they not pick the National Council of Churches of Methodists or the National Councils of Churches of Presbyterians? Well, because that causes a division. They couldn't be united in this, in this particular uh, unity meeting if they were going to go by one particular name. But what was the name that brought them all together? Simply the name we read about in the New Testament. Simply the name that gives Jesus Christ the glory. Simply the name that shows who the church belongs to, Jesus Christ. When we call ourselves the church of Christ, we aren't calling ourselves that as a particular denomination. But we are trying to declare to the world that we are simply a group of Christians who belong to Jesus Christ. This is His church. It's not predicated upon some particular doctrine. It's not predicated upon a particular man. But we're just simply trying to be the church that you read about in the New Testament. As Romans chapter 16 and verse 16 says, The churches of Christ salute you. But one final point, and then the lesson is yours. The reason why I'm just a Christian is because this is all obedience to the gospel makes me. When a person responds to the gospel of Jesus Christ, they become one and only thing. One and only thing. They just simply become a Christian. Notice what Peter tells us. He says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfinged love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Notice what has happened here. Peter says we have purified our souls. How? By obeying the truth. Uh, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, You were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, and now you have become the servants of righteousness. It's because we have obeyed the truth we are saved. But notice how this being saved takes place. We are born again, but not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. What are you talking about, Peter? The word of God which liveth and abideth forever. In other words, the word of God and the principles behind it are eternal. I think all of us are familiar with the story uh, or the parable of the sower that we read about in Luke chapter 18. How there was a sower that goes out and he cast his seed and some falls on uh, the wayside, some fall among thorns, but there's some that fall upon good and honest hearts and they bring forth fruit. 
Well, Jesus explains the parable. What does he say in verse 11? He says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Now notice what happened here. We are purified by obeying the truth, and the seed that we are born again from is the incorruptible seed, the word of God. And then Jesus uses the same illustration in his parable of the sower. Now why do you think both of them uses the idea of seed there? Well, we understand and appreciate the fact that when we make a mental image of seed, we see something being planted in the ground, and whatever that seed may be, that's what's going to come out of the ground. If I plant corn, corn is going to come up. If I plant uh, potatoes, potatoes are going to come up. If I plant green beans, green beans are going to come up. The point being this, when the unadulterated Word of God, the incorruptible Word of God, is planted into someone's heart and they purify their souls by obeying the truth, what does that make them? The only thing that it makes them is a Christian. It doesn't make them anything else. It goes, defies the laws of logic to say, well, I plant corn and green beans come up. Or I plant green beans and corn comes up. The only thing that planting the word of God by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to produce is simply a Christian. So to be something else, we have to go somewhere else. To be something more than just a Christian, we have to find it somewhere else other than the word of God. Once again, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but if God wanted me to be a Presbyterian, he should have said something in his book about how to become a Presbyterian. If God wanted me to be a Lutheran, he should have said something in his book about how to become a Lutheran. The Bible teaches you only how to become a Christian, and the word of God that you obey and purify your soul, all it does is cause you to become a Christian. To become something else, you have to go somewhere else. Why did the Lord leave me in the dark if he wanted me to be something else? Why did he not give me instructions on how to become something else? The Bible teaches us to be Christians only because that is the name that the Lord has given us now that the world has been united under Jesus Christ, both Jew and Gentile. It is the greatest name. It is the best name. It is the name by which we are saved. So as we close today, think about this once again. The reason why I'm just a Christian is because being called by any other name dilutes the glory of Christ's name and steals the respect due Him. It's the only name by which a divided Christian world can be united because this is all obedience to the gospel makes me. I want to be a Christian only. I hope you want to be a Christian only. The reason being is because there's no greater name by which I can be called. It is a Lord-given name. It is the best name. It gives glory to Jesus Christ and to no one else or no other teaching. It simply describes one who follows Jesus Christ. But even though I want to be a Christian only, I don't want to be the only Christian. Passage that Roger read for us at the very beginning, Acts 26 There Agrippa says, persuade me to be a Christian. And Paul responded, I pray God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am. We may ask the question, Paul, what are you? And you said, become what I am. What are you? Paul would respond, I'm very proud to be a Christian.
I'm a Christian, and I want you to be a Christian just like I am a Christian. We need to be happy with the idea of being just a Christian. And if you're here today and you want to become just a Christian, all you have to do is do the same thing that they did in the New Testament to become just a Christian. When those on the day of Pentecost were saved, when they responded to the message where Peter said, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. It says that they were pricked in their hearts and they asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter told them in verse 38 of Acts chapter 2 to repent and be baptized for the remission of their sins in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did those people become on the day of Pentecost? They became just Christians. When Ananias came to Saul and told him what the Lord wanted him to do in order to be saved, in Acts 22 and verse 16, he told Saul, he says, Saul, now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. When Paul responded to that message, what did he become? He just simply became a Christian. When the Philippian jailer was taught the gospel by Paul and Silas, and he and his household believed and obeyed. What did they become? They just simply became Christians. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, when he responded to the preaching of Philip, and Philip told him that he uh, needed to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and they both went down into the water, and Philip baptized the eunuch, and the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. He went on his way rejoicing as a Christian. Nothing more. In fact, in every version story that we have in the book of Acts, all those people, all they simply did were become Christians. And if you want to simply become a Christian this morning, that's all we ask of you. Just simply obey the New Testament teachings on how to become a Christian. Predicated upon your belief in Jesus Christ and you're willing to uh, confess that and repenting of your sins and allowing yourself to obey that form of doctrine which now has been delivered unto you, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ Allow someone to assist you in being baptized today for the remission of sins so you can have your sins washed away. We just simply hope that you'll come as together we stand and sing.